One of the songs that we sang this morning had the chorus that God is not finished with us yet. Greater days are still ahead. And I believe that. And I know that you believe that. And I believe that it's especially true for our church. And I want to take some time here just for us to pray about God's vision. I'm going to invite John Bennett to come. John's going to lead us in this prayer time. But I really, I just really believe that as we get in alignment with with God and His heart and His vision for PMC, we are going to experience these great days ahead of us. So please, uh, let's just humbly come before God and just seek His heart, His will, His vision for PMC. John, lead us in prayer, please. Please. Dear Father, I just uh, thank you for this morning and just the opportunity to come here and worship, Lord. It's a humbling thing, Father, for you, the King of all creation, to be mindful of us and to hear our praise. So we just thank you for that, Father. Lord, we pray that uh, our worship would not end um, this morning, but it would go out and it's through the week that we would worship you in, in what we do, what we say, and how we live our lives. Father, as we started this year off as a body, um, just seeking your vision for us and seeking your will and your plan in our, in our church, Lord, um, I just, I've seen you be so faithful, Father, and you've accomplished great things through us, Father, but we just continue, Lord, to seek you. Father, we don't want to go ahead, we don't want to fall behind, but we want to be where you want us to be. So, Father, we just uh, continue to ask for that direction, Lord. As uh, we meet this week, Father, we just pray that your spirit would be there and speak to our hearts, and we thank you um, that you do speak to our hearts, you do lead us, and you do guide us, Father. Lord, we know that what you lead us into, you will provide the resources, the people, the talents, the gifts, and so we thank you for that, Lord. It's a beautiful thing how you brought our church together and our body together and just the different talents that you've given, Lord, and uh, I just thank you for that. We each have our own part. So, Father, as individuals, I pray that uh, as our path is laid out, that uh, you speak to us and show us where we can help, where we fill in, where we can use the talents that you've given us to the best of our abilities, Lord. So we thank you for this day, Lord, and we just commit it to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you, John. I would invite you to open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 16. We're working our way through this gospel Our focus for today is peace in an anxious world. I'd like to start with a video, video reminding us of the events of 9-11-2001. Obviously, that was a very horrific day for us as a nation as we experienced um, attacks from Al-Qaeda terrorists in a very coordinated and dramatic way. But in the midst of that tragedy, the nation came together, and it was a time when freedom was truly cherished. And so turn your attention to the screens as we remember this event of 20 years ago. Most of us remember that day. 
it's etched in our minds, a permanent reminder of tragedy. We all watched helplessly as lives were lost, heroes were born, and a nation was forever changed. The loss was unimaginable, the sorrow unbearable. But through that pain, we witnessed the resolve of a nation. We saw chaos give birth to courage, fear transform into fortitude, and destruction give way to determination. In the midst of the brokenness, freedom stood immovable. Today, we remember those we lost. We honor the heroes who saved so many and grieve with the families who have suffered so much. It's been 20 years, but we still remember and we will never forget. remember well where I was on that very eventful September 11th day. Gina and I were living in Michigan. Elijah was two years old. Gina was pregnant with Isaac. I was pastoring Chapel Hill Missionary Church. And on that September Tuesday morning, I was in a master's class at Bethel college in Mishawaka. I remember clearly that someone came and knocked on our door and said, I would recommend that you come into the lobby and watch the news that's on the TV screen. When we got into the lobby, we were dumbfounded with what we were seeing by this time, both Twin Towers in New York were burning, and of course, within minutes, they collapsed. And we all just stood in silence, watching this scene unfold, then hearing about the attack on the Pentagon, and then hearing about the plane crashing in a field in Pennsylvania. All of it seemed so surreal. Needless to say, there was a lot of anxiety among all of us on that day. I know for me, my heart was pounding the entire drive from Mishawaka back to Union, Michigan. Couldn't wait to get back home and be with Gina and Elijah. Of course, the anxiety continued on for days and weeks. So many questions which couldn't be answered. So much uncertainty on what was yet to come. Here we are now, 20 years later. And we are still living in an anxious world. 
We may not have planes being hijacked, but we have many other things. In fact, so many things are going on, it feels like the anxiety level of our nation is almost at an all-time high. There's anxiety about the border crisis. There's anxiety about Afghanistan. There's anxiety about rising prices on cars and houses. There's anxiety about the shortage of workers. Retail businesses are reducing their hours due to a lack of employees. There's anxiety about COVID, anxiety about COVID vaccines. And with the government's announcement this week, we have church members who could face the reality of losing their job. I'm not sure if I should say anything about COVID and COVID vaccines. I don't want anything, I don't want to say anything that's going to feel political. I don't want to say anything that's going to be misunderstood. But I also know that this topic is on mind. I've talked with you. I know the tension and the anxiety that you're feeling. Here in John 16, Jesus knew that his disciples were very, very anxious. They were anxious about his imminent death. Still didn't make sense to them why Jesus had to die, neither did they know how he would die or when he would die. All of these unknowns, and so their anxiety level was extremely high. And so Jesus is speaking to them a very, very lengthy conversation. John 13, 14, 15, and 16. That's how long Jesus is talking with the disciples. And he's saying all of these things to prepare them. Now Jesus doesn't sugarcoat everything. He doesn't tell them how great everything's going to be. In fact, he kind of does the opposite. Tells them the reality of what is to come, that hard and difficult days are ahead of them, that there will be sorrow, and that there will be times of failure. And yet Jesus doesn't leave the disciples in a place of despair. He doesn't leave them in this place of anxiousness. He speaks this message of encouragement message of hope, message of peace to calm their anxious hearts. Verse 33 is the key verse in John 16. Everything leads up to this verse. Verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have peace tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here in John 16, there are numerous principles regarding peace in an anxious world. Principles that were important for the disciples to hold on to, 
principles which are important for us today. Principles that can bring peace to our anxious hearts. So I'm going to give you seven reasons we can have peace in an anxious world. And I apologize, the numbering is a bit off on the PowerPoint. But here we go, seven reasons that we can have peace. First of all, because we are never surprised when opposition arises. We are never surprised when opposition arises. We see this in the first four verses. Jesus tells the disciples that they will be put out of the synagogue. Indeed, the hour is coming when there will be those who kill them. And when they do this, they think that they will actually be doing it as a service unto God. Jesus faced opposition the disciples faced opposition. The early church faced opposition. Christians of every generation have faced opposition. Now, we don't go looking for trouble, but because we identify with Christ, because we embrace biblical values, which is often in contrast to the world's values, the world is going to direct its hatred toward us. And we should never, ever, ever be surprised by this. I think one of the things which caused such anxiousness on 9-11 was the surprise of the attack. No one expected it. No one expected that coordinated of an effort. Nobody expected that dramatic of an attack on our buildings of, of economic power and military strength. It caught us all off guard. And because of that, the level of anxiety increased exponentially. And this is why Jesus is telling us, don't be surprised. When opposition comes, the world hated me, the world's going to hate you. So because we know this, because it won't ca catch us off guard, that can go a long way in us experiencing peace. Reason number two, because the Holy Spirit lives in us and transforms us. This comes out of verses 5, 6, and 7. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit indwells every true follower of Jesus Christ. Having the Holy Spirit is like having Jesus 24-7. There are other scriptures that teach us that the Holy Spirit is constantly at work in our lives. He's working on our character. He's working on our attitude. He's working on our spiritual maturity. 
The Holy Spirit is working to produce spiritual fruit in us, which the Bible says is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Peace comes when we allow the Holy Spirit to change us, when we allow Him to be in charge, when we surrender everything to Him, when we release our anxiety, our worry, when we give it to Him, we are filled with His peace. Reason number three, we can have peace in an anxious world because the Holy Spirit is in the business of convicting. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world. We see this in verses 8 through 11. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Church, this should take an incredible weight off of our shoulders. It is not our job to change the world. The Holy Spirit's job to change the world. Our job is to be salt and light. Our job is to speak Jesus into everyday conversations. Our job is to make disciples of all nations. But when it comes to these huge spiritual matters of sin and righteousness and judgment, that belongs to God. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to be anxious about it. We can be at peace knowing that the Spirit of God is at work. The Spirit of God is at work among the nations. The Spirit of God is at work in communities. The Spirit of God is at work in individual lives. The Spirit of God is the one that is pointing out the sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that is awakening the conscience so that the individual can be aware of their need for a Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one who is revealing what is true and what isn't true. The Holy Spirit is the one who judges the heart of a man. We do our part, and we let the Holy Spirit do His part, and that gives us peace. At our One Voice Worship Night on Wednesday at the fair, the Holy Spirit was present. It wasn't the biggest night in terms of numbers. Well, let me tell you, it was a special, special night because of what God's Spirit was doing. The Spirit was drawing people to the altar to lay burdens down at the feet of Jesus. The worship band was doing their part. The sound techs were doing their part. The prayer team had done their part ahead of time. Everyone was doing their part. But it was the Holy Spirit who was doing the work 
of drawing hearts of men, women, and children to the Father. Next reason that we can have peace in an anxious world is because the Holy Spirit will guide us in every situation. The Holy Spirit will guide us. Again, note what it says in verse 13. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Just think about the word guide. A guide in the noun form is incredibly helpful. A guide shows you the way when you don't know where you are going. When Gina and I were in China for Brianna's adoption, we were so, so thankful for our guides. We had, we had three different guides because we were in three different large multi-million population cities in China. And let me tell you, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have survived two weeks in China without a guide. Let me tell you. That guide would, would come to our hotel. The, the guide would, would ride with us in the taxi, talking with the taxi driver, telling that driver where to go. Oftentimes we'd do this during mealtime, and, and then the guide would then take us into the restaurant. He would do all the, all the talking with the hostess, get the table set for us, would do all the ordering. I don't know what the world I would have ordered. If I'd have had to do it myself, I probably would have ordered some exotic, some exotic food of some sort that I would have probably grossed out eating but nonetheless I had the guide the guide made all the difference in the world the Holy Spirit is our guide and frankly right now how much the world is changing I almost feel like I'm in China the world is changing faster than we can keep up with but we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Now, I believe it's important to stay informed of the current events. But listen to me carefully. We dare not let current events overwhelm us and consume us. If you're spending all your time listening to the news, it will suck the peace right out of you. It's important to stay informed, but the greater importance is spending time with Jesus. Stay grounded in the Word of God. Stay close to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in this ever-changing world. He will show you the way. He will teach you what you need to know. He will reveal His plan for you. He will guide you in every situation and knowing this will give you peace. Next reason that we can have peace in an anxious world comes from verses 17 through 22. 
And it's because nothing can steal our joy. Again, we see this right from Jesus himself. Verse 20 says, Truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Jesus knew that the disciples would face incredible grief in the coming days. His death would would literally throw them into a tailspin. Yet He gives them this promise. Your grief will turn to joy. Obviously, He was referring to His resurrection. And that in that moment, their joy would be uncontainable. Jesus goes on to give an illustration that is, is known by all of us. The illustration of a mother giving birth to her child. There is labor. There is pain. But once the baby is born, there is incredible joy. Jesus gives to the disciples another promise. He says, no one will take away your joy. We see this in verse 22. No one will take your joy from you. That's a promise. And we know that the disciples truly lived a life of joy, even in the midst of of hardship and persecution. I think of the account in Acts where they faced the Sanhedrin. The religious council was, was putting the vice grip on them telling them, don't you dare speak in the name of Jesus. And just to make sure that they put teeth to their warning, they had the disciples flogged. Well, Scripture tells us that the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. I'm convinced that if we have joy, we will also have peace. The two go hand in hand. And again, Jesus has promised nothing can steal our joy. I love the the song from Zach Williams' Old Church Choir because he uses this very phrase, and nothing can steal our joy. Next, we can have peace in an anxious world because failure isn't final. God uses imperfect people for His church and His kingdom. We see this in verses 23 through 32, particularly towards the end, verse 32. Let me just read that one for us. Jesus says, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. We know that when Jesus 
was arrested, when he was put on the trial, when he was flogged, when he was taken to Golgotha, what did the disciples do? They scattered. They fled. They couldn't even stand with Jesus. Except one, John. John was at the cross. The disciples failed Jesus. But just remember, church, failure is not final. Look how Jesus used the apostles in the early church. Yes, they had some imperfections. They had some flaws. Yes, there was some brokenness. But the God we serve is a redemptive God, and He uses each one of us. God delights in using every one of us, regardless of our age, regardless of our abilities, regardless of which gifts He's given us, God delights in using all of us. We are all needed for His church and His kingdom. And we praise Him that failure isn't final. And that gives us peace. Lastly, peace is not always the absence of trouble, but it's being secure in Jesus Christ. Again, verse 33 Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Note the contrast. There's a contrast. In Christ versus in the world. Being in Christ, we have peace. Being in the world, there is trouble. Yes, we live in this fallen world, but we aren't of the world. And so we need to stay secure in our relationship with Christ. Our identity is in Him. As we sang this morning, holiness is in us because of Christ, not because of anything we've done. And so even though we will experience trouble out in the world, we can be at peace because we are in Christ. His Spirit is within us. We have His attribute of peace. I know that we may be uncertain of what is to come a month from now, six months from now, a year from now. And I'm not saying that we will never ever have a moment of anxiousness. We are human. But in those moments, please, please remember who you are in Christ. Remember these reasons from John 16, that we can have His peace. 
Let me pray for us. Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Jesus Christ, we thank you for being the Prince of Peace. God the Father, we thank you for being the Creator of the heavens and the earth and for being the author of peace. We just cry out to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for peace because every one of us knows the anxiety that this world feels right in this moment. Lord, you know where each one of us are. You know what we're facing. And I know some of our members are are facing some extremely difficult choices. And I pray, Spirit of God, for your peace to flood their heart and their soul and their mind. May we remember these promises that you give us. And may we walk in step with you. We love you, Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen.